0: This is episode 340, featuring a random conversation with John Levitt, the host of the For the Long Run podcast about anything and everything. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and my singular goal is to help you improve your running by getting stronger, racing faster, preventing more injuries, and achieving more of your goals. I'm a monthly columnist for Trail Runner Magazine, a 239 marathoner, and creator of the Performance Training Journal on Amazon. You can learn more about me and strength running at strengthrunning.com. Now, if you enjoy this show, please support our partners who are offering you some great deals on amazing products that are going to help your performances and overall health. First is the MOBO board. Go to moboboard.com and use code STRENGTHRUN10 to save 10% on your board. This was uh, invented by renowned physical therapist Jay Desherry, and Mobo helps you stabilize your stance with an innovative rocker board that forces you to improve your stability with proper mechanics from the foot up. Stronger runners experience less wear and tear on their joints, so let's get strong and then use that strength the right way. Get yours at moboboard.com, and don't forget code STRENGTHRUN10. It'll save you 10%. We're also supported by Strength Running's own Ultimate Training Bundle. Since 2010, Strength Running has been helping runners around the world race faster, get stronger, and prevent more injuries with our evidence-based training programs and courses. Now, you can get all of our best courses, high-performance lifting, injury prevention for runners, bodyweight power Mindset Mastery, Nutrition for Runners, and Team Strength Running at a massive 35% discount. Just go to strengthrunning.com bundle. Now, if you've gotten value from our free advice, just imagine your improvement with our more detailed programs. Give yourself the gift of certainty this year and get your running, strength training, nutrition, and mindset on the right track. Get it today at strengthrunning.com bundle. All right, my guest today is my friend John Levitt. He's a senior sales executive at Inside Tracker, the blood testing company, and host of the podcast for the long run. John is a sub-three marathoner, and I like to joke that he's the mayor of Boulder because of his ridiculous network of pretty much every single runner who lives within a hundred miles. He and I share a lot of miles together on the trails around Boulder, Colorado, and we're always having these interesting rambling conversations about the running industry, what's going on with our personal training, things we're excited about, what's coming up for us, and I thought it'd be interesting to give you a sneak peek into those conversations so you can learn more about what we're currently excited about. We're going to talk about our current running struggles, how we're attempting to solve those problems business updates, and how to professionalize the running market, new sauna science, the backlash to bro science on VO2 Max, and more. This is a little bit of a new type of episode, so I am looking for your feedback. If you enjoy it, please leave a review on Apple Music to let me know. I read every single one, and it'd be great to hear what you think. And now, without further delay, please enjoy my random conversation with John Levitt. All right. Well, we are going to do a little bit of a different episode today. We've been talking about this for months just as a way for us to chat about what's going on in our lives, the state of the running scene, both kind of here in the Colorado area, but also what we're seeing uh, elsewhere. And I'm just excited to chop it up with you in a super informal way, and and talk about a bunch of random things. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, Jason, I haven't been running lately,
1: so I haven't been texting you on Friday afternoons asking if you wanted to run. So this is a great way to um,
0: to do this while uh, while we're not pounding pounding gravel. Yeah, we usually do this on a run as I'm like sucking oxygen at 8,000 feet. So this is going to be a little easier for me. Uh, but maybe we can start there because. You haven't been running. I have kind of been taking a little bit of time off and and running a lot easier than usual. I've been sick. You've been dealing with an Achilles issue. Talk to me about it, man. What's going on with your Achilles? Are you uh you back to running a little bit? I see.
1: Yeah, I so you're going to laugh because my last good run was um the run after we ran And I dropped you. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah, you dropped me like a bad habit, buddy. (laughs) So we're fully admit that I'm okay with that. We're like
1: seven miles into to a long run, and Jason's like, "You should go." (laughs) And and I was I was feeling it. I was feeling really good, and so I just like snapped off like a five mile tempo, not a tempo, but um, moderate ish, maybe marathon pace, marathon effort. Anyway, uh, then I ran 10 miles the next day and, um, then I had some Achilles challenges on Tuesday. Um, and it was a bummer because it was my strongest week in a, in a while. And I was like, all right, I'm back. This is great. And then the Achilles was like, nope, screw you. Uh, sorry, dude. Then I went to Orlando and walked, you know, 30,000 steps a day around the city while, um, while spectating the Olympic marathon trials, um, which I guess is a good thing because with an Achilles, my understanding is you want to continue to load it, um, versus versus it. And you can, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong on that one, but, um, that's sort of where I'm at. I took a few days off. I have been biking and doing bike workouts on the trainer and riding easy on the Peloton. And, um, I ran four miles on Tuesday and four and a half miles yesterday. Um, and it's funny because when you go into a PT and you say you only ran four miles, they're like, okay, well, most, most people run zero miles. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. four miles is not a lot for me. I'm used to, you know, uh, uh, like I'm used to eight miles a day as my, as my baseline. Um, but it's a reminder that like four miles is still four miles and it's, you know, a decent amount to travel on your bones and ligaments and tendons and whatnot.
0: You know, I have always loved surprising doctors and physical therapists with running related things. I remember going to the doctor once and they wanted to do this test and they they looked at my heart and they were concerned because it was really large. You got a big heart, Jason. It's just a huge heart, man. What can I say? (laughs) And they did this extra test and, you know, we're talking about it and they're like, wow, man, your heart is just really big and we need to figure out what's going on. And they were like, your biceps are so big and strong and... (laughs) 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 That's when, you know, I'm paying them (laughs) to say these things. But, uh, then I'm like, well, does it matter if I'm running, you know, 70, 80 miles a week? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Like, wow, we could have just started with that and maybe not incurred all these costs, all these tests. But, um, yeah, man, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're getting back into some running. I'm glad your Achilles is, is at least okay to run a little bit. I mean, yeah, four miles is four miles. And I think you're right. You've got to load the tendon and basically like train around it, you know, do as much as you can with a little bit of running, cross training, loading it with some weight and doing some, you know, Achilles centric exercises. That's probably the best approach that you can do to get back to running.
1: Well, Jason, you'll be happy to know that I have been strength training every week for the last six weeks. Nice. Um, And Uh, it started right before this Achilles problem. So, you know, the jury's out on uh, if it's actually a good thing or not, because I've been injured throughout the (laughs) whole process. But um, in theory, it's helping and it will help uh, for the long run.
0: Yes. I, I love the little brand mention right there. It will help for the long run. Well done. Always be branding. Always be branding. Yeah. So I've been, I've been sick. I got sick last Tuesday and and had a little bit of a fever, which turned into body aches, which then turned into like a hacking cough. So it's kind of a miracle that I'm sitting here podcasting because as you're probably going to see, I'm going to be pausing and and coughing off to the side. We're doing this virtually, but, uh, I've been sort of doing the same thing, like trying to train around my sickness, which is always a hard thing to do because I'm a little more tired than usual. I noticed that my heart rate has been higher on most of my runs. So it's just been hard. And, you know, I actually two days ago, I sneezed. And, you know, maybe this is a sign of age. I sneezed and tweaked my neck so badly. (laughs) I tried to go running. I ran a half a mile, John, and I, I couldn't move I couldn't like look both ways while crossing a street, and I'm like, I'm gonna get killed out here in Denver trying to run around the city with like this neck that doesn't even work. <laughs> Jason, normally it's my responsibility to to poke fun at you, but you're 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 doing it yourself. So carry carry on. <laughs> there, there's nothing quite to brag about at this moment in my life, you know, with me being sick and me tweaking my neck. But you know, the good news, John. I know I've been talking about this for a while. I finally got my bike trainer set up and I did it while I was sick. So I haven't actually gotten on the trainer, but now I have the setup and I'm really excited to start just doing as much exercise as I want to do, not being limited by how much I can run. So that is very exciting to me.
1: So for context, the reason that this is meaningful and substantial in the life of Jason Fitzgerald is because, um, it was like a, I believe a year long saga to try and figure out how to set up your bike trainer. Um, it's been
0: since November. Yeah,
1: you'll yeah. never be and sponsored by... And we're recording by... this at
0: the end of uh, February. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sweet. Well, happy for you. Love that Love that journey and glad it's finally set up. Um, I, When I had this Achilles issue pop up, I was pleased to learn that um, I had a fully functioning bike trainer in, in my basement and uh, pulled it out and used it within five minutes of having the idea not to brag or anything, but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it took you five minutes. It took me three months. Nice. Uh, So a funny story about that is I I needed to ask one of my friends to come over and help me set up the bike on the trainer. And this is a guy who has built his own bike. He bought all the components, threaded the wire through the carbon fiber bike frame. You know, this guy like understands how to build a bike, maintain a bike. He has all the fancy tools you know, he comes over with this like fancy bucket of bike paraphernalia that, you know, probably cost him like $3,000. And even he was like, it should not be this hard to set up the bike on your trainer. You know, I've built a bike and I can barely do this. This is so difficult. So probably speaks to the user experience. Um, cause I needed a special adapter to get the bike onto the trainer. So yeah, just hard. I just feel like a lot of things have been hard for me in the last. uh couple months, but that's okay, you know. We're going to be we are able to do hard things. Pressure makes diamonds, Jason. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, hopefully hopefully we're both able to to run a little bit more, uh, get back into shape. Uh, I have some big news. I've actually hired your business manager. So, we are going to have the same person working for both of us, Emily. She's uh a rock star, and uh, you know, for our listeners, this is going to mean more content, better content, and hopefully more consistent content. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm not quite as as consistent as I'd like to be because I'm a one man show, and you know, publishing a podcast and a, a YouTube video and and all the other content that I that I write and create, in addition to actually coaching and working with all the runners that I am, is often you know uh, more than a full time job, and so. As I'm juggling all those balls, I'm usually dropping one or two of them, but this is going to streamline a lot of things. And I'm super excited because she's awesome. You introduced me to her and I'm really excited for this next evolution with strength running.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a shout out to anyone who's looking to up their podcast game. Uh, Emily Holland uh, is an absolute winner. Emily approached me in 2022 and was like, Hey, um, I think we could work together and I think we could do cool stuff together. And I was like, no, this isn't really, I don't think it's necessary. Um, then she asked a couple more times and long story long, we have been working together for two, going on two years now. Um, we've grown a lot, the, 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 basically we've grown a lot to the point where like, I I'm about to sign a year contract with Puma. So like we've been able to execute against deliverables for a brand of that size in a way that's meaningful and helpful enough for them that they're like, yeah, we should do more of this. And we should do this at Boston and San Francisco Marathon and the Olympics and TRE. And it's really just professionalized all of it and also really helped offload all the stuff that I can't do, don't, don't have the skill set to do or or the time to do. Right. I, I have a full time job at Inside Tracker outside of what I do with my podcast, and I can't afford to spend 30 hours a week on the podcast. Um, but I can afford to pay other people to do that and to execute things that they are good at and what, and you know, a bunch of freelancers under Emily, which is, which is awesome between Angie and Eric and Ruby and all these other people that Brian, and all these other people that execute on the podcast and the social and video and YouTube and all these things that we find to be important related to podcasting um, so that, you know, my, my goal is to get to a point where, or my goal was to get to a point where all I do is talk to people. um, And that's what she's enabled me to do.
0: Yeah. You know, let's take this a little broader. I think I've talked so many times on the podcast about, you know, how do we grow the running industry? You know, how do we grow the sport? How do we get more people interested in running? And I think part of the answer to that question is taking all these essentially indie media operations, you know, the, for the long run podcast, the strength running podcast, um, you know, my, my YouTube channel, all these places where runners can go to get information and training advice, et cetera. Let's professionalize these things. Let's put a team around it. Let's make the content better. Let's make it more consistent. And, and I think that is a, a great way to kind of index for growth in, in the running market. And that is going to be a really effective way, I think, in my view, of bringing more athletes into the mix and, and growing the sport. So, you know, I, I think the word here is professionalize. And, and Emily was making fun of me because that might not be a word. I, we might have invented that word. I'd have to no, look it up. No, a word.
1: It's now is a, it word. a word. Yeah,
0: it's now a word, and uh that was one of my big goals: was to, you know, simply put a team around some of the things that we do, so that we can just increase the effectiveness of it all.
1: So, professionalizing the profession um, is is uh, is a hard two, three words to say, but it's an incredibly important component, right? So. 10 years ago, everybody had a blog and the startup cost of creating a blog is pretty minimal, you know, 10 bucks for the domain. And that's pretty much it. Maybe some hosting and infrastructure, but with a podcast, which everyone seems to have these days, or many people have started podcasts, there are hard costs involved with doing it. There's the, whether it's time or money between the production of Um, the episode and audio engineering and, you know, getting it out into the world and whatnot. And then we look at like, look at social media and look at the partnerships that athletes and creators and podcasters and influencers have with brands. There's, there's the saying a rising tide lifts all ships. And there's also the saying, well, I'm making it up, but like, the lower you go, the worse it is for everyone. And I I think, you know what I'm trying to say here, and I'm not saying it very elegantly, but the, some people are professionals about these types of business relationships and other people are like happy to get free socks and, and, you know, give the world for, for, um, not much. And again, 10 years ago, the, the space was entirely different and ambassadorships and and influencer management was like this thing that was new and novel and you were lucky to be a part of it and now there are like some organizations that exist in the running space have between one and 10 full-time employees whose sole job is to man manage athletes creators audio partnerships video partnerships and whatnot so these, Things are creating incredibly. We've like gone off strength running and gone on to my first million, and and now we're on to the business of of uh, of it all. But anyway, these things that people are doing are creating tangible results for companies. There are companies spending millions of dollars on podcast partnerships every month. Um, you've heard it on other pod. You've heard this brand on other podcasts, um, and there are. There are organizations that have grown substantially because of podcasts or because of professional athletes or because of influencers. And to not establish equal value in the athlete or influencer creator direction is the highway robbery in 2024. And honestly, shame on people for um, continuing to do it that way. And some of it, on the individual side is like, well, this opportunity leads to the next opportunity. And I just want to get my foot in the door. And there's something to be said for that. Um, but there's also something to be said for like getting paid your worth and, and enabling someone who has a very calculated approach to how they spend marketing dollars to understand that, like, you know, that you're valuable. And so we share, uh,
0: a sponsor or I don't know if it's public yet. I think it is too. before. Um, yeah, I've, I've partnered with them in the past and um, I will be starting a new partnership with them in about a month. Cool. So I've worked with them for a while and they get it right. They
1: understand the value of podcasts. They understand the value of the people listening to this conversation right now. And they understand how to have a strong relationship with all parties, the customer, the the partner or creator and athletes. And so, and they make an awesome product, right? I've been using it for a while. It helps with with avoiding GI distress. I really like the fact that there's 120 milligrams in a packet that you can travel with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like fundamentally I like the product and I'm excited to, to share it with my audience and you with yours, I assume. And so like brands like that, when I can reach out to my friends who, you know, are new at podcasting or growing their podcast um, and say, hey, this is a good brand to work with. I think you'd like them. It's it's safe for sport Um, and they'd like to have a conversation about growing and growing with you. Like to me, I'm I'm so happy to have those types of conversations and promote and and like open doors for brands and athletes and creators who like respect all aspects of that process. So like I introduced them to the folks at trail society and, um, Keely was interested in chatting with them and who knows if that goes anywhere. And, and Matt from the Boulder boys, like, I was like that, that group would be great for you guys. Um, and they're interested in the Boulder aspect of, you know, that group of five professional athletes and, I don't entirely know where I was going with this, but um, the point is like having having someone to help you professionalize it enables you to match the company that is very professionalized and very serious about goals and KPIs and return on ad spend and whatnot, and show them that you understand what they're looking to do and that you can help them do that. And so I have a huge challenge with, um, and some of it is like, I acknowledge that this is not the expertise of everyone. And like, I have a very business savvy mindset of this kind of stuff because I have a full-time job that's somewhat in, in the space and I've learned a lot in that experience, but it it's painful to see and hear some of the, the rates, the, options and the, like the partnerships that exist when I've seen what the impact of these relationships can have, like generating $150,000 for XYZ brand or $400,000 for that brand, or, you know, a 10X return on ad spend, like this is not like a, a nice to have channel. It's, it's driving substantial and substantive impact um, and it should be treated as such on you know on on every
0: end. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I, I think there's a lot to be said about the professionalization of the podcasting market and kind of the broader creator space within the running scene. And and I love to see it because you know like like you, when, when I see someone who's you know getting 10,000 downloads an episode for their podcast and they're charging Nike like. 75 dollars to sponsor an episode. I'm like, that is not helping you. It is not kind of valuing what you bring to the table. and, and I don't think it really helps the running industry itself. you know, and, and this is true with like freelance writing, for example, with publications only wanting to spend like $100 dollars for you know, a 1200 word article, you know that quotes multiple experts. and it's like there's a lot of work that goes into that. you know, the writing is hard. Producing a podcast is hard, but hopefully, what we are trying to do is, you know, at at its most simplest, bring a better product to runners. Exactly. I want better information on the podcast, better partners on the podcast. I mean, my my listeners will know I I don't rotate in a new sponsor every week. I, I have worked with the same four, five, six sponsors for a very long time it's because I, I deny most sponsors because they don't, you know, really understand who they're trying to reach on the podcast, or it's just not a product that I really think is going to be valuable. And I'm, I'm so protective of my listeners. I, I don't want to hawk some BS product to them. And, and I'm really glad that we can just professionalize this whole thing and, and make it better for everyone.
1: Totally. So I was listening to Justin Grunewald on uh, Dylan Bowman's uh, free trail podcast last week or this week. And um, they were talking about how Solomon did about $650 million in shoe sales last year. (laughs) And so here we are thinking, oh, trail running is small or running is small as a sport. One brand sold $650 million of shoes. Okay, so the, the concept of like exchanging real value for like a pair of shoes or a pair of socks is for a company like that, like it's, an, it's an insult. And it's, it's taking advantage of people who don't know what the impact that they can have is. And it's hurting people who do it professionally or for their full-time job. And the counterpoint is, well, not everyone wants to professionalize it. Not everyone wants to drive all this value. Um, and that's, that's fine. Um, that's that I, I understand that approach. Um, but it's the, it's the like underselling yourself or just like, giving away the world for, I, I just love harping on socks
0: <laughs>
1: because it's so, <laughs> yeah, it's like, so common. Let me but sponsor like,
0: your podcast and I'll no, give you a pair of socks
1: in exchange for it. But, but I've, I've had a relationship with Darn Tough over the last year. Um, they sock company and we've, dr- we've driven, I don't know if I can share the number, but it's in the six figures in terms of, um, how, uh, how much value we've created for them. And so you look at that and it's like, okay, the cost of like, if they sent me 10 pairs of socks, I'd be happy, but that's like, you know, um, $40 in, in like tangible value. Right. Anyway, I I love harping on socks and I love sock companies that like understand the game and, and understand how to create value um, with partnerships and like they sponsor athletes and they sponsor events um and they they're a brand that gets yep. it
0: all this really makes me like th- this just really affirms the fact that we should support good companies in the running industry that are doing good that are helping runners that really understand runners and so like a, a big part of that too is you know like if you really enjoy the for the long run podcast, use the special links or codes that that you have in your show notes. Same thing with the Strength Running Podcast. You know, this goes a long way. I don't think people really understand how beneficial it is for the podcast host and, and the business they're trying to create because it makes it sustainable. If you don't want these podcasts to sort of just go belly up and and stop publishing episodes, it's really important to, uh, to support them in that way. And, you know, when I think about you know, knowing your value and and not shortchanging yourself, and and you know some of these things that we've been talking about, I draw a direct parallel to to running itself. So you know, most of, most of our listeners right now probably are not hosting podcasts, but they're probably runners, and like we can apply the same thing to to running itself: to have high standards for yourself, to set big goals, to not settle for less than what you're worth, and to really shoot for the stars because, you know, like what else is there? Let's get after it. Let's make some big things happen. And, and I think that's the most exciting thing about being a runner, being involved in, in the running scene is just, let's see how far we can take this. That was one of the most exciting things about running when I was running competitively was how fast could I get? You know, that's such a simple question. And, you know, one one, one of my old bosses was a, a power lifter. And and he would always ask the same question in a very different way, which was like, how much weight can I lift? And so there's these athletes that have these very simple, basic, fundamental questions, but there is no shortage of joy in trying to answer those questions because it's just this long process of exploration that I simply love. Yeah. and, And you're alluding to
1: curiosity. And so one of the tenets or principles that I've seen as a common thread across all of the people I speak with on my podcast is that curiosity and they how much weight can I lift? How good can I be? How far can I run? How fast can I get? Um, what what is my limit? Where how good can I be? All this stuff is like an extremely open-ended and arbitrary um, question that can only be answered over time. And so again, like I've, I stumbled into the realization that um, many of these successful athletes are, are curious people. And that, that to me is the driving, the driving force around like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating exercise of like, okay, here's somebody who thinks that they want to go to the Olympics, but they're just curious about how good they can be versus this is someone that is dedicated to winning an Olympic gold medal.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so exciting. Um and then of course there's there's almost limitless avenues to explore when you're trying to to grow. And we could be talking about growing a podcast, growing a business, growing your list of PRs and and making all those PRs faster. And and I think that is just one of the most exciting aspects of running is that if we are curious and we are willing to grow, There is almost a limitless potential for our running. Um, Now, John, I did want to switch gears a little bit and talk about a a training issue that I know is near and dear to your heart. Speaking of being curious, this is something that I sort of uh, poo-pooed for a little while, but I'm I'm coming around. There was just a really good study that I saw uh, about sauna use. It was it was uh you poo-pooed sauna use. Well, I mean, I've used a sauna like three times in my better life better than poo so in
1: the sauna, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, but Dr. Peter Tierney, he's an exercise physiologist uh that I follow on Instagram, and and he was just talking about a new study on sauna use, and like so many great benefits came out. I was kind of amazed if you use a sauna four to seven times per week, you have a 40% lower risk of cardiovascular disease. And the same rate will give men a 66% lower risk of developing dementia, 65% lower risk of developing Alzheimer's, and a 77% lower risk of developing psychotic disorders, which the older I get, the more I am interested in preventing psychotic disorders (laughs) because, you know- madness it's it's like gravity it just needs a little
1: push um yeah totally and and it feels good uh and it's fun so um i got into speaking of poo-pooing hang on one second alfie is eating poop outside one second wow
0: now i'm curious are we gonna cut this or no no no. we should should leave it in i'll I'll (laughs) even
1: i'll even pan to him
0: looking all wow
1: guilty and stuff Guilty. walking away from eating poop. I'll bet you've never had a guest say anything like that on the podcast. Okay. Anyway, um, it would, it would be fun if you leave that in anyway. Um, so use. it's, I started doing it in 2018 or so when I was living in Boston and I was right next to the Boston sports club and I would go there after work and it was literally like in the parking lot next door. And so it was very easy to add it into my life. Uh, I would do it for 20 minutes and it was like a de-stressor and, you know, you can't use your phone in there and whatnot. And so when the pandemic hit, I, I didn't realize how much I was appreciating that time um, and ability to just like decompress in the sauna. And so. Eventually, I ended up buying my own um, in 2021. It was installed in 2022. And I've been using it three times a week for two years now. And um, yeah, I mean, it helps with heat adaptation and the ability to run when it's 95 degrees or 100 degrees in the summer here and have it not be totally awful. Um, but also, I've seen some of the, the research on, um, the cognitive benefits as well as athletic benefits and overall health and health span related factors. And so, um, yeah, I, I love it. I recommend it. Um, a lot of the research is done at 180 degrees or 178 degrees. Um, I crank it up to 195. Um, I have friends that have saunas that go to 220 or 230. Um, and that's really hot like that the last 15 to 20 degrees above 200 is like remarkably different pro tip wear a hat and cover your ears (laughs) Um, because uh, that makes it easier to stay in there but the research on like the timing and protocols is really interesting because a lot of it is perception based and so a lot of people will say like go until it's uncomfortable and then go two to three minutes longer and then get out for five minutes and then get back in for another 10 or so. And so it's that it's that cooling mechanism that then you get back in and it's hot again. And that's, that's where some of those benefits come from, from a recovery potential with heat shock proteins and the ability to um, basically regulate the the your core body temperature and the downline impact of of what happens with um, those pathways. Um, And and it also just feels good right like we've joked about you gave me your ice barrel and i it's been used well now it's been used a dozen or so times but like it doesn't feel good and and i don't enjoy it and there's research that suggests that it's not beneficial for endurance athletes due to its impact on blood blood volume blood plasma volume um whereas a sauna is like enjoyable and fun and and you know gets gets a good sweat Although people listening are probably like, "Well, I enjoy my 4 a.m. cold plunge, so screw this guy," and good for you if you enjoy it, it's great. Do do more things that make you happy. Um, cold plunges do not make me happy, and sauna does, so so I do that.
0: I really enjoyed your your picture lately. You were with a bunch of runners. They were all like <laughs> sitting in a mountain stream, like next to a bunch of ice and snow. And you're the only one like up on a rock, like making fun of them for being uncomfortable and cold. You're like, I'll, I'll stick with the sauna, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm just seeing if I can bring this up real quick because, um, yep, here it is. <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> Love it. They're definitely having fun in there. I don't know if
0: this will be visible to the, to the YouTube viewers, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think of these things just as like a, a stressor, right? And is this stressor going to improve adaptations, interfere with adaptations, like how is it actually impacting your body? And I've become a lot more interested in things that that have a dual role, right? The role of this is going to help you become a better runner. And this is going to help health span longevity. This is just going to help you feel better. This is going to, you know, slow down that biological clock. Because I think if we can incorporate a lot of those types of things in our running, you know, things that are kind of holding that dual purpose of making us into better runners and you know improving our overall health and our health span that that seems to me like like the the, the territory to be in like that's where you want to be because then you're not sort of fighting your body and you know like it, it sort of goes back to you know oh i could go run 190 miles a week and and that level of aerobic running is really going to make me into a better runner and it's like well, yes, if you can stay healthy, if you enjoy that much running, if you have that amount of time, but there's some decent evidence showing that, you know, running 25 miles a day or 30 miles a day isn't actually great for your overall health. So I want to find the things that are good for both. And, and I think that's where the exciting stuff happens. Totally. Yeah. Healthier, longer, happier, longer.
1: And happier right now and healthier right now, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you said, too, it's just going to make you feel good. It's going to make you, uh, you know, there, there, even the study that I'm just mentioning um, shows that it can increase your your growth hormone levels. Uh, it can increase your uh, HRV and decrease your resting heart rate.
1: Can Jason, also if our growth
0: hormones go any higher, they're going to top out. But well, you know, I've hit 40, so I'll take all the growth hormone <laughs> I can get. That was a height joke, but <laughs> oh, high joke. I'll take that too. I'll take it all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even even like the preservation of muscle mass, it's like, it, it's, it seems almost too good to be true. So uh, I, I am definitely going to be looking into using Asana more often, and, and potentially in the future getting my own because, it, you know, y- you can only deny the amazing results that are coming out in study after study after study. Um, and, and I know, look, you know, we go running, out in the mountains. And it's not super hot in the mountains in the summertime, but at the same time, the sun in Colorado is brutal. And if I can gain a little bit extra heat adaptation, I, I'll take it because sometimes I am out there absolutely roasting. I, I had this older woman come up to me once. Uh, I, I was like hanging out under a tree in the shade, you know, my head hanging low Feeling bad about myself, like flirting with some type of heat illness, and she's like, "Are, are you okay, young man?" No, and I was like, "No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna be okay, but I'm not okay Get right now." Get me that element. Yes, give me all the electrolytes. Give me. The, I'm just like having inappropriate thoughts about cold water. You know, <laughs> I'm just so obsessed.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And again, like. I will run in the summer when it's 95, 100 degrees out, and it's not as bad when you're appropriately heat adapted. And that that part takes about two weeks, but it's the year round um, sauna use that really has a like. I don't have to get to, you know, that build. I've now been using it for two years, and and each summer, each time summer comes around, it's a little more easier to ease into those really really hot runs. So yeah, when you're ready. Um, DM me for that discount code with uh, with Sisu.
0: Nice. Yeah, definitely do that. If you're interested in a sauna. Let me ask you a real practical question. So you've been doing this for, um, you know, about two years or so. Now, I know you have solar panels on your house. Let's just pretend like you don't have solar. What should someone generally expect for additional electricity costs? If they put a sauna like out in their backyard and, you know, it's just hooked up to the normal grid and, you know, there, there's someone who doesn't have solar panels.
1: Yeah. I asked this question, um, and when I was buying mine and they said, if you use it three to four times a week, every week, it's between seven and $800 a year, a year. Okay. A year. Yeah. And so again, I have solar, so I'm my electrical bill in, um, January was, a uh, dollar 22. <laughs> um, so it's not a consideration of mine but yeah 7 set, let's call it 750 um set, uh, 750 a year divided by 12 is like 60 bucks $62 a year or $62 a month um if you're doing it call it 12 times so that's $5 a session um you could go into a gym and get a $10 gym membership, with $10 day pass. Like I was in the Golden Rec Center um, and I was using their sauna, which is really, really hot, by the way. Um, and it's like a seven, $7 day pass. So pretty comparable if you're looking at paying per use.
0: The only drawback to that, and I know we were texting about this earlier, is that you're gonna have to hang out in a public sauna, and you never know what's gonna go down in a public sauna. So you're you're rolling the dice just a little bit. So just be aware of that.
1: Totally. However, the Golden Rec Center sauna, a Golden YMCA, and and if Amelia Boone is listening to this, she's gonna be like, no, don't tell our secret. Um, but the <laughs> secret a is a, gem. the secret is a lot of fun people hang out in that sauna, and so like I went there with with Kate and with Amelia. And our friend Travis, who I think you've run with as well, and like I don't know if you know Luke Webster. Um, he's a photographer in the area. Um, he was there. He was doing cold plunge in in the in Clear Creek also, um, which is right out the right out the door there. Um, it was fun. And then I went in the hot tub, and it was just like that. And the hot tub was really hot too. I don't know what's in the what's in the water or or air in Golden, but like. They turn up the dial in that rec center.
0: Yeah. Well, they know everyone around this area is like a crazy athlete. So, you know, they're not going to put kid gloves on when it comes to the sauna. No, they certainly didn't. (laughs) Yeah. That's the cool thing about living in this area is like, if you do go to like a public gym, a public sauna, you know, you're in Golden, you're in Boulder, um, you're in one of these neighborhoods, you never know who you might see. You know, you might see, uh, you know, world's toughest mutter champion, Amelia Boone, or, or these other characters. Or Jason Fitzgerald. Top podcaster. In a public sauna? I don't think so, John. I don't think so.
1: <laughs> Amelia texted me and was like, there's someone sitting on the floor of the sauna right now.
0: <laughs> so I rest my case, John. Like, I, I shouldn't have to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gross. <laughs> that is gross. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, you've uh, you, you've started using saunas in the last couple of years. Uh, y- you are, you know, you have my ice barrel, even though you, you, you don't like to use it. Is there anything else that you're sort of excited to try this year? You know, we're recording this in February, kind of beginning of the year. What are you thinking for 2024? Are you going to do anything new with, you know, any of these latest gadgets and toys or or, you know, different race goals? What's what's coming up on the pike for you, buddy? Um
1: I would like to finish some more ultras. Um I want to pace Western States. Um I might dabble in a road marathon again. I don't know. I have a tricky relationship with that type of thing. <laughs> um but no, I to me, like all of these like really um biohackery things, like I'm not interested in in all of that. Like I, I of course I work at Inside Tracker and so I, I will do blood analysis and and guidance in that in that way and then tweak my diet and tweak my supplement routine based on that although i guess you could say i'm i'm experimenting with ketones it's not going well um given the injury and what tell us a
0: little bit a bit about that
1: yeah so um i tried a couple of samples of uh HVMN's ketone iq at uh tre Um, i was given a bunch of samples and I was told that it might have some cognitive benefits, so I I was taking a serving prior to doing a podcast or a panel, and I was like, "Whoa, this stuff is great cog- cognitively." And I I I saw that people were doing it for athletic purposes, so I didn't I I did that. I had like four or five servings. One of them was before I did Zach Bitter's podcast, and he's sponsored by um, I can't remember which brand, um, either Ketone IQ. Uh, I, don't, I think it's Delta G, actually, uh, which is the other one. And then I listened to David and Megan on the SWAT podcast talk about the benefits of post exercise ketone uh, supplementation. And I was like, whoa, this is really interesting. And what they said was that the benefit during, uh, pr- uh, before or during is pretty non existent. And there's also, there's even research that suggests that it has a negative impact. Meanwhile, you have all these influencers promoting the fact that they're doing it pre-workout or during their runs, and it's really awesome. But anyway, um, so the research was related to post-exercise consumption, specific to um, EPO production or stimulation, leading to better benefit um, related to iron status, so hemoglobin and hematocrit. So altitude training has been observed to stimulate... 50 percent boost in epo production which is like legal doping it's why people go to altitude because many people respond well not everyone many people respond well to stints at altitude which then mimics effectively mimics like blood doping because your body is hyper compensating and sti- and increases the production of red blood cells and basically enables you to transfer oxygen to your working muscles faster so if you leave altitude or if you go from high altitude to lower altitude, like going from uh, Leadville to, to Boulder, for example, you feel a boost in performance. And this is why people will go for, you know, two weeks prior to a marathon or they go train in Kenya or they go train in Park City or Flagstaff or Boulder or New Mexico, Al- Albuquerque um, and or Mammoth Lakes, Tahoe, you, you name it. All these places are beautiful, by the way. Um, and so that gives a 50% boost in EPO production, whereas uh, ketone use post-exercise has been observed between 20 and 22%. It's much easier than going to altitude. It's cheaper. It's not cheap than getting on a plane or driving for hours to get somewhere and then staying somewhere. Um, so I was like, okay, that's interesting. I like the cognitive benefits. I would love to give this a try. And I am one that is really in love with the NF1 experiments. Um, and so I reached out to, oh, and so I, I messaged a couple of friends who I knew are big fans of ketones. One of them is Kylie Van Horn. Kylie is a sports dietitian and is great at cutting through noise when it comes to like marketing hype and claims, um, versus understanding what's real. And she was like, you got to try Delta G. Like they've got the full molecule, the ketone ester, et cetera. So I reached out to Delta G. I was like, okay, here's my story. Would you support a trial? And the uh, initial idea was 40 days of post-exercise ketone supplementation. So any run longer than an hour effectively. Um, so five five days a week of of doing that. Um, they were like, sure. Uh, so, so David Roche has seen a small improvement in this iron status from one to two times a week. Um, so, I was like, well, what if I do it five times a week? Or, you know, is there a difference? Um, and so, then again, long story long, somebody reached out, or he, somebody reached out to David who said basically, like, hey, I'm also interested in doing my own research here. She's a exercise physiologist, researcher, an elite triathlete, and mo- more notably, female. And there are not a lot of studies on women related to ketones. In fact, one of the companies told me they only had one. And so they were interested in supporting her in doing the same because it establishes um, more data, mostly anecdotal, but she can run a better experiment than I can as an actual researcher and, and um, academic and so they set her up as well, and she has a stress fracture, and I have a, I have a an Achilles, uh, a tight Achilles. Um, so the study, th- these NF1 studies are not going well. Um, can't really blame it on the ketones, but um, zero for two so far. However, I find that I continue to find this like nice cognitive benefit with. Um, both HVMN or ketone IQ and Delta G from a cognitive benefit. Like I had a serving, um, what time is it? I had a serving like two hours ago and I feel pretty on and pretty good. Um, listeners may disagree, but (laughs) I feel good. Um, and so the challenge I have is that like, if I don't see the athletic benefit, um, I'm not going to spend the money on it on like very regular consumption. And I would look at it as like a stimulant basically and use it similar to how, you know, you have another cup of coffee before a big meeting or you, you know, take, yeah, I guess have another cup of coffee. <laughs> Most other things are, are um, you know, outside of clean sport and whatnot. Um, so that's sort of how I'm looking at it right now that it's an expensive way to feel good um, some of this, so HVMN is like seven dollars a serving, and Delta G is like twenty five. Um, Wow, so that is kind so of expensive, <laughs> right? So, but again, if it's like if it's going to have a substantial long term benefit, some people might be able to justify the fifty bucks a week or two hundred bucks a month. I'm not one of those people. I'm not trying to perform at the highest level. I'm I'm mostly curious. What would it do for me? And does it have? Does it continue to have the cognitive benefit, or was that like a placebo that lasted six rounds? So anyway, extremely long answer to your question.
0: Well, you know, I had Lat Mo- Mansoor on the podcast, and he works for HVMN, and and we were talking about so, sort of the science behind it, and and I'm a little bit in your boat here where. I have had it numerous times before I go running. And I don't think I really noticed too much. Um, But, you know, full disclosure, I also really like ketone supplementation for the cognitive benefits. I actually had some before this episode. And like you, I'm feeling dialed in. I feel on point, sort of like I had a cup of coffee, but none of that jittery feeling. I just feel like, you know, psychologically prepared and and able to have a good conversation whereas you know if i have it before run i i just can't pinpoint the difference in how i feel um and if anybody wants to check out my conversation with dr lat mansoor it's episode 299 of of the podcast um yeah but it's 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 one of those things too, where if, if it's clear that it gives me those dual benefits, like we we were talking about earlier, where if this thing is going to help my running, it's going to maybe help my, um, recovery post run, and it's going to give me these, these cognitive benefits, then I would definitely be a little bit more on board with it. But I'm in a little bit of like a wait and see approach. Like I think, you know, if, if you can afford it, if you want to try it, it might be something that's interesting to experiment with. Um, I I love these kinds of experimentations and, you know, testing different products and seeing how you respond to them. But uh, I'm not, I would say I'm not 100% sold on the running specific performance benefits. Agreed. All right, John, uh, I got one more thing to talk about, which is VO2 max with you. I am absolutely loving the conversation about VO2 max on the internet right now, because It used to be all these like influencer bros talking about four times four minutes to improve your VO2 max. And now all these exercise physiologists are starting to step in and like kind of set the record straight. And I am absolutely here for kind of the slap down of bro science on (laughs) VO2 max. Because, uh, you know, it's just interesting. Like I, you know, if you want a high VO2 max, you hire a track coach. And a track coach is not going to have you do the same workout every week I mean I've, I've seen some influencers say you got to do this one vo2 max workout every week it's like why what like so much for periodization so much for for doing something that is specific to your goals and you know the dirty little secret about vo2 max is that you can gradually drive that up with a lot of aerobic running threshold runs long runs it's really just the the gradual, Development of your aerobic metabolism, not on these like short, fast workouts. Which, of course, every study shows. You know, after six weeks, it's better than you know no workouts at improving your VO two max. And so, obviously, the conclusion is you got to do these workouts. But why are we looking at six week studies? Why aren't we looking at two year studies? Lifetime, yeah, yeah, or lifetime. Like, that's what I want. Yeah, I want to. I want to look at the person who's been running ten miles a day for three years. As opposed to the person who's doing like one hard workout a week for, for six weeks. Jason, I got to get you to have uh,
1: Dr. Renee Dehan on this podcast to talk all about VO2 max. She's a colleague of mine at Inside Tracker and you guys would have a hell of a conversation.
0: Oh, yeah. I- I'm sure she's very nuanced in her thinking on VO2 max, which is probably antithetical to to the bros talking about four times four minutes and, you know, you know, even, even, you know, in Outlive by Peter Atia. and I have untold respect for Peter Atia, He does kind of the same VO2 max workout every week because he's not, he's not a runner. He's optimizing for longevity and health span. And so you've just got to be really careful who you're listening to, because if you're a runner with running goals, you're not really training for longevity. You're training for performance and we've got to change how you approach these things or else you know you're not going to have any periodization to your training you know if you do a vo2 max workout every week and you're running a lot and you're running races like you're going to get fried and probably burned out in 8 to 10 weeks so totally agree it's definitely something where you know vo2 max workouts is sort of like you know putting your hand in the fire you can't do it frequently you've got to be very uh, cautious about that and you've got to have the foundation to support that level of intensity so all that to say, I am just loving, you know, when, when the actual experts step in, like the physiologists, and and set the record straight. Definitely. I've got to make that connection to to Renee for you. Yeah, sure definitely. I would love to have a, a more in-depth conversation about VO2 Max. Um, yeah, so if, if anyone's listening and wants to hear that, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Uh what else you got, John? You want to talk about anything else before we wrap for today? No, I've got to
1: uh I've got to run to another. Another chat here and uh we've gotta we've gotta run together at some point soon. I appreciate the uh
0: appreciate the conversation
1: and we'll see you we'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, man, we gotta do this again. I, I really like just the flowing general conversation about all these random things affecting the the running market and the scene and, and what we're really interested in, in the sport right now. Definitely. Cool. All right, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Take care. Thanks. Bye. And that's our show today, my friends. If this format of show is something that you enjoy, give us a good review on Apple Music and I'll do more of them. Please also support our sponsors who help me keep the lights on. Use their links and discount codes to support the Strength Running Podcast. First is one of my favorite strength and performance tools, the Mobo Board. Go to moboboard.com and use code STRENGTHRUN10 to save 10% on your board. This was invented by physical therapist and author Jay Desherry. I actually took a workshop with Jay on preventing injuries. And guess what? The MOBO board was featured in that course. Now MOBO helps you stabilize your stance with this rocker board that's set up on these two fins. And there's a hole where your four little toes are supposed to be, which effectively forces you to drive your big toe into the board to improve your stability. If you want to hear more about stability training, you can hear Jay and I discuss that on episode 275 of the podcast. Now, My first time on the MOBO board was a little bit embarrassing. I was pretty confident going in, maybe overly confident. I just didn't think it would be that hard to balance on a board, right? Well, it was very humbling, and that happened very quickly. Even if you're a good runner, better balance, stability, and proprioception are all gonna help you have a more powerful stride and prevent more running injuries. So if you're injury prone, you should be very interested in the MOBO board because this is really gonna help clean up your mechanics. You'll learn how to improve the efficiency of the kinetic chain from your hip to your big toe. Because as Jay likes to say, it's not just how strong you are, but how well you use that strength. Save 10% with code STRENGTHRUN10 at checkout at moboboard.com. Again, that's code STRENGTHRUN10 at moboboard.com. We're also supported by Strength Running's Ultimate Training Bundle, a collection of our six most popular training programs at a huge discount. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world improve, help them race faster, get stronger, prevent more injuries, run more consistently with our evidence based training programs. These multimedia courses offer coaching lessons, video demonstrations, audio interviews, injury treatment protocols, and even coaching with me. And the best part once you remember, you get any and all updates and additions to every program at no cost. Once you're in, your family. This year, give yourself the gift of certainty, of knowing that you're doing the right thing with your training, strength work, nutrition, and mindset. And if you're not sure, you'll have access to me as your coach. See all the details and sign up today at strengthrunning.com bundle. All right, that's our show today, my friends. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for the last hour, for supporting the show through your reviews, sharing it with the runners in your life, and using all those sponsor codes and deals. I truly appreciate the community that we're building together. And if you do like the format of this episode, please leave a review and let me know. We'll be in touch.